Whole Man Academy. Because the world needs strong men. Whole Man Academy is changing the game for men around the world. It's for guys who want to live an epic life of fun and adventure, no matter what. We believe deep down, all men want to go on their own hero's journey to becoming resilient, confident, fearless, and fulfilled. Listening to be inspired by guys who don't settle for living a life of mediocrity. This is your call to action and call to adventure. Are you ready? Okay, so this is the Whole Man Academy podcast, episode 112. My guest today is Ken Rusk, an author, entrepreneur, thought leader, plenty more, also a blue collar advocate, which we're going to talk about. It's a term I'd not heard before, and I like it. Uh, so we're going to jump into all different things to do with the landscape of men. Uh, but Ken, first of all, how are you and where are you? I'm great. I'm uh, talking to you today from Toledo, Ohio in the United States. And um, it's a beautiful day. And again, happy to spend some time with you here. Uh, it's great. And, you know, I think this, I mean, I spoke to a guy called Brad Hart, who um, is from the States last week. And, you know, the podcast now being up to 112 episodes, we've talked to guys from all around the world. And that's what's great is getting different kind of get you know get different ideas from guys of, of different ages different experiences but also that live in different parts of the world because you know what's going on in certain parts of the country people maybe in the uk don't even know because they just watch the news which generally is a load of rubbish anyway um or agenda driven so i just wanted for you firstly um you're obviously in ohio but have you always lived in ohio yeah, I, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I lived all along Lake Erie, so any probably 20, 20 to thirty minutes along the the, uh, the south side of Lake Erie. And um, yeah, it's uh, we we were in Cleveland for a while, then we moved to Toledo when we started our business, and uh, we've been here ever since. So, well, I just before we pressed record, I said I would shock you by saying that I've actually been to Ohio, and that was um, about two thousand and fifteen when they had the um, obstacle course racing world championships out there. And uh, so I, I raced, you know, against the uh, me against the world elite, as it were. Um, and it was, uh, you know, we started early in the morning, so it was really pretty cold. But it was, uh, you know, an amazing kind of twelve miles of rough terrain and hills and everything. So that was my my brief experience of going uh, to Ohio. So at least I've ticked it off the list. Um, but but have you travelled to Europe at all? I've been to the UK or anything like that. I have, yeah. I've, I've been to London. I've been to uh, Scotland a bunch of times because I'm a golfer. Okay, I've been to Ireland, and um, I've been to Germany. I've been to Switzerland. Been to Italy. I mean, it, it's it's been it's been really cool. You know, you, you said something earlier that is so right. I, I think if you get busy, kind of living in your own little world, you don't realize the unbelievably cool stuff that exists all around this planet of ours, and. It's just not that difficult to to make those things happen and, and and to go see those things and you know playing golf at the old course you know in in Scotland in St Andrews it, it's just it's kind of breathtaking because you 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 grow up watching all the greats playing on this golf course and the walk down eighteen I was very fortunate because I was able to birdie sixteen and eighteen that day and it was just like you know the stars were shining down on me so. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things in this world if you just find the time to go see them. Yeah, no, and I'll tell you why I laugh when you said you've been to Ireland, because I've never been to Ireland, which is ridiculous. You know, it's, it's like about a 40 minute <laughs> flight away and I still haven't made it. Um, but I've managed to get out to Miami and, um, you know, been to San Francisco, San Diego. And, and I, what I love most about traveling there, not just seeing the new experiences, but experiencing different people and different cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, 
you know, the last two years where, um, you know, people have had their freedoms taken away, rightly or wrongly, uh, depending on your thoughts on it. But um, what that was saddens me is that, I mean, for me, as well as a lot of people, it kind of impacted on their opportunities to experience things further afield. Um, so are you able to um, travel freely? And what was that like for the kind of I know, year or two years where, where basically people were told they weren't supposed to be kind of living their life? Well, you know, it, it's it's always scary when, you know, your government says, hey, there's these germs floating around and it's going to be devastating. And I mean, and, and then you're you're hearing different things coming out and then you're finding out that the risk was extremely low. And if you had a bunch of other, you know, pre-existing conditions, then that might have actually caused your demise and not this particular illness. So it, it was it was very confusing for us because. When you have anything that's brand new like that, and the origins aren't clear, you've got a bunch of people that they that they tend to guess about what the next step is supposed to be based on what happened yesterday. Yeah. And so it, it, the ever evolving, ever changing scenario was was pretty challenging. Now, you know, our business was we we clean up you know unhealthy basements, so we were allowed to keep operating, but. I had a friend who had 400 employees in the restaurant industry who he had, he just had to, he had four hours just to let them all go. And um, so it was a very confusing time. I, I will say this, if there is a silver lining, I, I've never seen more people getting back to, you know, barbecuing in their backyard versus driving to restaurants or taking dogs for a walk or, you know, throwing a football or riding bikes around the neighborhood, getting close with their families again. So I guess with every issue, there'd be, there, there's an opportunity. And uh, that silver lining was cer certainly prevalent during that period of time. Yeah, it's a good, I mean, there's always a, a, a kind of, a, I say, a positive spin on everything. And I think that's important to try and take something good out of what was, uh, you know, a painful time. And, and do you know what? I mean, we, you know, with the Whole Man Academy, we started back in 2018 and it was encouraging guys of all different ages, backgrounds, experiences to get together to talk just because, you know, what guys are like and, you know, I, I'm not in my 20s or 30s anymore. I'm in my mid 40s. And therefore, you know, I've grown up around that um, where men just kept everything locked away. But what I saw in the last two years, of course, was, you know, that was my example would be you could have a guy a bit like you said with your uh, friend, you know, you and I could have been in a consortium that owned three nightclubs, three restaurants, three hotels that are all thriving and business was great. And then through no fault of your own, your business is basically destroyed overnight. Um, and, you know, we heard of examples over here. I listened to a really sad story of a guy whose father had a couple of restaurants and same thing. And he ended up taking his own life because, you know, he'd, he felt like he'd let his his staff who were had been there for their entire career down. Um, wow. And I think that's where the last two years, and that's why we move on to that, I think have been a totally different test for, let's let's say, if we're talking about men, than any other years because no one's ever had to face that. But what's the landscape like for men in the US at the moment? And, and more so the guys in their, uh, you know, say twenties and thirties. You know, I, I think, I think there's been this whole, this whole new world of, you know, social media and social influencing and um, social marketing, mm -hmm. digital marketing, internet marketing. And it's opened up a whole lot of options for people. I can tell you one thing for sure. It's never been easier to start your own business in my entire career than it has been recently. Because, you know, if, if you're, let's say you're a contractor, if you have a pickup truck and a cell phone, you've got a company. 
where before you needed an office and you needed, you know, staff and you needed accountants and needed, you know, we used to, we used to keep our numbers with pencil and rulers on pieces of paper. So yeah, th that's been kind of cool to, to, to see what the possibilities are at the same time. I also think there's, there's a lot of guys that are, that are tiptoeing around a little bit because, you know, they're just trying to be the same old guys that they were. And yet they're getting kind of chapped here and there for the different yeah. things that they may say, think, or do. And it, that used to be kind of normal and it would roll off your shoulders and everyone would have fun. And now, you know, you're in this weird kind of, um, you know, check everything that you say, watch everything that you do. And so it, it's kind of a mixed bag of, of opportunity and, and, you know, being cautious at the same time. So mm. I, I, I think it'll come out great. Um, but uh, yeah, there's some guys trying to figure out how to navigate that. Yeah, it's certainly a, um, you know, an ever-changing landscape of, because again, you know, for you and I, we didn't grow up with social media and right. um, I will happily admit I've done some stupid stuff on nights out, you know, that usually involve beers and your mates and maybe girls and God knows what else. But thankfully back then people can whip out a phone and video it and then tweet it to the world in, in you know, in three seconds. So I, there's, you know, there's small mercies for, for that. But yeah, definitely it's, um, you know, I always think for guys in there, I mean, they're teens, but, you know, the 20s as well, you know, it is a minefield because everything you do is everything you 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 write online can be screenshot and held against you. And we've seen people go back years and, and accuse people of stuff from when they were in their teens. And you're like, it's a good question of where does it stop? But take me back to yourself, because you started young in uh, construction and for you, like, kind of what led you into that path to start with? Well, just to comment on what you what, what you just said. Yeah, you know. I would say this, if you're willing to go back 15 or 18 years into someone's past to see what they might have said or done, then we all get to see your 15 or 18 years of your past, yeah. okay? Because judgment is a two-way street, okay? Yeah. If you're going to judge somebody, so here we go. You know, if you're going to expose that, then it's your turn next, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my upbringing was was kind of cool. It was it was kind of rural, um, rural America and uh, in Ohio, a small town called Amherst, and uh, grew up there. Loved it. Uh, it, it, wide open spaces, as you would say. Um, but then when I went to uh, to the east side of Cleveland, uh, you know, when I was fifteen, I was in high school, and and my high school shared a fence with an industrial park, and after school we'd cut through that fence and we'd go down to the carryout, you know, the little a little uh, store there and we would just kind of hang out after school so walking through this hole in the fence you had to go through this industrial park and I kind of liked it because there was a, lots of energy there's lots of guys milling around and you know things that like dump trucks and backhoes and all that kind of stuff that, yeah. people, that young kids like and um, so one day I just said hey what do you guys do here and they said well we, we basically dig ditches and I said okay well I can do that you know I need I need money to take out my girlfriend for pizza or go bowling with my buddies or whatever. So yeah, the important stuff. Yeah. So I wanted my first used car. So I, I signed up. I knew someone that, that had been working there and I signed up and in the, in the summer times I would dig ditches and in the winter times I'd work in the office. And then I did that for a few years. And um, then our company grew so fast that they wanted to open franchises around the country. And, uh, they came to me and said, you know, you, you know, both sides of the business, even though you're only 19, 18, 19, do you want to help us do this? So I lived out of a suitcase for three years and opened up a bunch of branch offices, which was good. 
because I got experience with somebody else's money, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I settled down in my own office here in Toledo, Ohio. That was in 86 and uh, started with six people. And now we have almost 200 and uh, it's been a heck of a ride. Oh, it's fantastic. I love hearing stories uh, of guys that especially starting young. Um, and I know, you know, we spoke to different guys who have just grasped those opportunities. Uh, one, one a few months ago who was in um, Canada and the similar thing, you know, started off at 18, 19 and just, you know, sometimes it was like saying, Joe, you just got to put your hand up and say, give me a job or, you know, pick mm -hmm. me or let me have a, let, have a go at something. Um, and do you feel for that? Because I wondered when you're that age, I mean, the learning curve must be so steep when you've got nothing else to, you know, you haven't started any other businesses at all. Well, I, I think I think the difference is back then, there was probably a hundred guys like me that all wanted the same job. Well, now, now because of this blue collar crisis that I call it, mm. you know, you've got a much smaller class of people that want that job. So like for me, it used to be, you know, me, boss, you employee, why should I hire you? Now I look across the table and, and the kid looking back at me says, hey, what's in it for me to work here? <laughs> yeah. yeah so, and, and that's kind of cool though, because if I can answer that question, I know I have somebody. And um it, it, you know, I'm okay if they're a little bit selfish because my motto is I can't get what I want, nor can my company get what it wants or needs until you all get what you want first. Mm. And so I'm okay with that because if I have someone who's goal driven who's working for themselves within my company, I'm all over that. Yeah. And and I think I think that's the thing, because if you find somebody like that, man, it, because they're so, you know, the, the, the pool is, has shrunk so much, you know, you, you coddle that person like a baby dub and you give them every single thing, you know, as fast as you can. So the learning curve is really, really steep now and really quick. Yeah. And I think people can rise up a lot faster than they could back when there was, you know, a lot of competition for the same type of work. It's really interesting because the economic landscape or the employment landscape, like over here, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but like every single um, like restaurant is looking for staff um, and literally, you know, some restaurants, I've been in one in lo local to me where the guy was like, I can only accept like 50% of our capacity because we just don't have any staff and therefore I can't deliver a decent service so I can only let people in. And would you say then that... Um, I mean, for want of a better word, that people are desperate for um, so like skilled tradespeople, basically. Yeah. So for just a couple of, st uh, of, of stats for you real quick. Yeah. In the U.S., 167 million people would be considered full employment. OK, if you look up what they actually do for a living, 77 million of those people do something with their hands. So 50 percent almost of our population does something in, in some you know support role now. My challenge was, you know, back in our high school, when I was in high school, back in the 80s, they had something called shop class. And you could walk down the hallway and watch somebody through these glass windows milling a table for a leg. Uh, or, or I mean, I'm sorry, a leg for a table. Or you could watch someone working on a transmission for a car. Or you could watch someone, you know, cutting someone's hair. Or you could watch someone welding or, uh, you know, making an outlet, electrical outlet happen. They, they kicked all those classes out of most of the high schools and replaced them with computers. Now, computers are fine. We needed to learn them. But why did it have to be one or the other, right? So that was step one because you eliminated the accidental discovery of mm. how cool the trades are. 
for millions of future kids, future carpenters, plumbers, electricians. So that's gone now. And then, you know, I used to go out in the backyard, get some lumber and some hammer and, and a hammer and some nails and go make a tree fort or whatever I wanted to do. Now kids are building cities on Minecraft on these things. And, and that's not the same experience. You know that. So if you couple those two forces up with the fact that, unfortunately, colleges are really good at shaming parents into saying, if your kid doesn't go to school, he's going to be nothing or she's going to be nothing. Those three forces came together to really put a hurt on the supply of people who would otherwise have naturally gravitated towards those trades. And it's, a, it's, like, a, it's like a perfect storm against the flow of those people. And uh, it's, it's something that I'm trying to talk, you know, loud and clear about to try and change that trend. Well, there's, there's so much to unpack there. And I think it's, it's really interesting because it's, it's when you look at the trends of, um, you know, men dropping away from those, I guess you could call them masculine uh, trades as well. Um, and, you know, you look at the massive declining testosterone rates across the world in men, uh, which is, you know, I think it's going to have a very big impact on fertility uh, in the coming years and therefore mm -hmm. population, which is an interesting rabbit hole to go down. Um, but I do think that, um, like you said, I mean, our, our boys don't go to school. We've got one that's five and one that's three. And the five-year-old just loves building things. And, you know, <clears throat> the further we can keep him for a while away from computers, because you feel like that takes away their um, their creativity. Sure. It's just, you know, I mean, we all know you sit and look at TV and it's hypnotic. And we know if we put the TV on, he could sit for ages and ages and ages just with his mouth open. And then we try <laughs> to say, you know, let's get outside, let's build a, a something or, a, you know, just he's got his toolkit and everything. And I guess that that pushes through to the, um, you know, I've got friends who've got kids that would rather sit in their room and play on their computer all night than they would do do anything active or creative, which is quite worrying really um but i see with you i know you've done mentoring as well is that one of the things for you that you kind of see has been the trend of you know moving into computers and kids doing less of the outdoor stuff because they're too busy uh pressing little buttons well i i think what happens is as an employer you're almost forced to mentor or coach the people that you have within your organization you know it's, it's funny because i hear a lot of people saying man I, all of a sudden i got to work on culture in my company I know I have to worry, I have to worry about, you know, energy and color and music and sound and celebrations. And, <laughs> you know, I have to worry about all that stuff now. And I'm like, well, listen, I'm a ditch digger. I've been doing this for 36 years. Okay. I've had to worry about that culture forever because my job is one of the lower ones on the, on the pole, as they say. Right. So to me, it's no big deal. I've been doing it for a long time, which is why it's so easy for me to share this knowledge to other people because, you know, you got to have a cool place to work or you're going to be a lonely guy or a lonely girl. OK, um, so, yeah. And, and you know, the other thing is. The, the thing about the testosterone that that th this gets a little controversial, but you're 100 you're percent right. I think we have some parenting issues out there because not only are the parents watching their kids stare at these screens, but they're staring at the screens. So as a family four hours a day goes by without any real interaction. Now it's quiet. I get that. But what are you really doing? You know, I mean, what, what's really happening there? So we have to recognize that as parents, 
you know, we're, we're imprinting or downloading everything that that young person or that computer has. Yeah. If you consider a young person being a blank computer, we're downloading everything that they're going to have for the future. And it really bothers me how we're all looking down at our screens and not looking at each other and saying, man, what the heck are we creating here? Mm. We got to think about what, because what, at some at some point in the future, I'm pushing her out of the nest or him out of the nest. Yeah. What am I going to get? You know, what am I going to see? So that's a, that's a big concern for me. Uh, I think and also you, you touched on the education system. And I know for you, you know, I've obviously read your website and had a look at some of your um, Instagram posts. And I, I found the education system in in across the world fascinating. But I guess for the US, do you feel like that? Because it's funny, and I totally agree, you said that it's like parents could be shamed if their children weren't going to go to college or maybe over here. It's that like people go, oh, if we say we're home educating our kids and not homeschooling because we're not we're trying to take the school away and it's more about just education. And they say, well, well how will they go to university? And you say, who says they need to go to university? And people are like, but university, but... <laughs> <laughs> right is that is that what you see over there and i know you encourage people to realize that there is another option that doesn't involve getting a massive uh debt uh, saddled on you after three or four years well yeah i, I we absolutely do, do see that and i i think parents you know somehow all the high schools went from you know teaching kids so they could be prepared for the world to hey everybody we're now a college prep school okay and we're getting funded and rewarded and accoladed by all the kids that we push into college. That's a recipe for disaster right there, okay? So yeah, I, I do see that. And, and, the, and the thing is, the same people who think, man, you, you have to, my kids gotta go to college is really crying about the fact that they just paid an electrician $1,000 to wire an outlet in their house, okay? And yet they don't connect those dots. And it, it just makes me crazy because they want to complain about that guy. And yet for every 10 electricians that retire today, only five are replacing them. You don't have to be an economics genius to figure out that supply and demand is going to work in the favor of the few. So for me, it's not about being anti-college. I mean, if you're going to operate on my shoulders so I can get back out on the golf course, I want you to know everything there is to know about a knife before you pick it up. Yeah. Just the same way as a teacher or an architect or an engineer or a banker. But if you're just going to school because someone told you you had to, you really got to examine the fact that that's never been true in the history of the world. Mm. Why is it all of a sudden true now? Because if you get out of bed to go to that college class, you've crossed 300 blue collar jobs just getting to the door. Yeah. And those, those jobs still exist. So yeah, and I, I say I say the contrarian view is the way to go because if everyone's going this way, the the guy or girl who goes that way is going to be handsomely rewarded because they're doing something nobody else is doing. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially if the last two years have shown me anything. It's that uh, following the herd isn't always the best. Uh, <laughs> the best. Mentality. You better believe it. Absolutely. Yeah, so, um, and I wondered. I mean, we talk a lot about fatherhood here at the Whole Man Academy, a because. Um, you know, we say, and, and you talked about parental, like, you know, imprinting. And I, I see myself with my boys, you know, the th my mannerisms, the things I do and say, you see them watching, listening and copying everything that I do. 
And I wonder for you growing up, did you have a, a, a father that was there? And if so, what was your relationship like? My father was, uh, he was a traveling salesman. So he was there, but he was, he was, he was there like, you know, maybe three, four days a week, but not, not every week um, until I became like 15 or 16. And then he, he had his own company. So then he was home a lot more often, but you know, I had four brothers. And um, so my dad worked at, he was a hardcore Marine in his day. So he worked our house kind of like a platoon because <laughs> okay. he, he, he had to, I, mean, I don't yeah. He had to. There was five boys under the age of nine. Okay, wow. so he had to line us up, and we all had to make our beds, and he could bounce the quarter off the bed, and you know he he would tell us once, and that was it. So for me, I just learned about the efficiencies of that because he 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 fathered in a very efficient way where there wasn't a lot of drama, there wasn't a lot of baloney, wasn't a lot of crying and whining going on. <laughs> so it 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 really helped me with my own daughter to be really efficient and say, look at, you know, we're going to have this relationship or I'm going to teach you everything that I know. And you're going to learn from the world as well. Mm. Let's not waste time on things that don't further that let's not waste time on, on things that are, you know, pathetic, like, you know, gossip and drama and rumor. I mean, let's just stick to what's real and what can better you as a person and what can prepare you to, to play around in this great big world. So. Oh, I love it. I think it's, because just like the obvious, none of us, well, I say none of us, some of us might be, but, you know, for most guys, when they become a dad, we're not taught what to do or how to be or what to say. And usually we just revert back to what we, what our father was like. Um, and assuming that just because that's the way it's always been done, that that's the right way. So I always find it really interesting to talk to people. And, but I notice that's why I laugh when you said, you know, five boys, because even with two, they have unlimited energy and you know until the moment they drop it is just it is kind of carnage which i love um, <laughs> right but yeah i just I, I take my hat off to anybody that's got you know two boys but five boys is is impressive um, but i wanted to ask you one of the other things i find a lot of guys i talk to um either interviewing on the podcast a lot of them say oh, i'd love to write a book um now some of them they don't even know why they want to write a book maybe it's because they think it'll just make them lots of money but they haven't got anything particularly amazing to write about and I know you wrote Blue Collar Cash firstly what was it like writing the book and then what would a guy get from reading it well um, those are two huge questions mm. writing, writing the book was I, looking back on it writing a book was kind of the easy part mm. um, it, the stories came to me pretty quickly and I had a lot of people that were around me even in my own company that I could learn from and and talk about when it comes to relationships and emotions and future and vision and forecasting and goals and you know all the characteristics of entrepreneurship. So I didn't really start out writing a book. I started out writing a letter to my daughter who was suffering from a pretty serious illness at the time. And that was a pretty scary five years. So what I would do is I would write to her about what I thought was important. Like, these are the things I think you should be chasing in your life when, when it's your turn. And um, those those concepts were comfort, peace, and freedom. And I say that because, you know, not all of us have the same goals and dreams. I mean, we're not all going to chase 15 cars and mansions and mega yachts and all this other kind of stuff. I met a lot of really cool people who were very, very happy, and um, they found their nirvana in a lot of unique and different ways. Mm. So for me, it was all about, you know, how do I write this letter to Nicole and teach her about what she should chase in her lifetime and at the same time 
uh, I had all these influences coming from the office of people I was coaching. And by the way, when I say coaching, I have no letters after my name. I'm not a doctor. I'm, I have nothing. I mean, it was like, it it was coached by have to. (laughs) So, um, but it worked. And, and so I kind of put all those things together and, and wrote the book and, you know, I had 80,000 words before I knew it. Um, and the, 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 the really weird thing was I didn't think the book would go 10 feet, much less 10 miles. And, um, it became a bestseller last fall. And I, I think the reason is the book isn't necessarily about being a blue collar guy or gal. The book is about, let's step back for a second. Let's examine history. Let's begin with the end in mind by saying, what do you want your life to look like first? Let's draw that out in amazing, colorful, crystal clear detail. Draw that out for yourself. Put it on the wall and stare at it whenever you can. And then figure out one of the many, many paths that there are to get there. And only one of those is college. I mean, there's, there's college, there's military, there's trades, there's tech schools, there's apprenticeships, there's you know, there's all these different ways to get there. And that's always been true. It's not untrue now. Yeah. But it always starts with what do you want your life to look like first? And then let's find a way to go get it. Do you know, one of the biggest things for me I've realized is that so many people just don't ever do that. Don't ever even think about doing that exercise. Or even if they did, it's it's like they don't know where to start. Um, they wouldn't have any structure or it's kind of like, oh, I'll do it when I get time. And then and then years go by. So when did you, so I, was, I have two questions there, but you know, I would label, as you say, the coaching, the mentorship as kind of, let's call it personal development if we put it under one umbrella. So at what point did you kind of get in, interested in that world of, you know, it's more than just I'm working. It's like, well, how can I positively impact other people? Well, I, I got to tell you, it was a little bit selfish and 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 it was a little bit, you know, um, kind of like a light bulb. So the more people in our company that I could have conversations with that could then draw their future, and then they became self-managing. Mm-hmm. They became self-directed. They became goal-oriented. It was almost like, hey, Ken, thanks for the training. Now get out of my way and let me do it. So I realized that there was so much power in a lot of people rowing the boat in the same direction for themselves though, not for the team. Mm-hmm. And that's that's different than you hear a lot. A lot of times it's all we're all rowing for the team, you know, so we can win the gold medal. I wanted each one of these people to win for themselves constantly, whether it was a three-month goal or a six-month or a year or a two-year or 10-year goal. I wanted them to chase multiple things at the same time because the more people that I could do, I could that I could do that with, the the less people I had to watch, in other words, or manage. Yeah. Yeah. And um, at that point, the power just took over and my company just went crazy. And I just kept gathering more and more and more of these people on the team. And um, if you weren't chasing something, you weren't working here. It's just that simple. Um, So all I can tell you is, you know, you, you talk about Elon Musk and how much brain power he has or Stephen Jobs or whatever, and how they use more of their brain than other people. I don't know. I think the answer to that is pretty clear. They see things, you know, they see things in a big way and they see things in the future and they see things that they want to do. We all have the ability to visualize. 
just take take a typical vacation. We are all experts at planning and executing and anticipating our our our, our vacation this fall or or next spring. We're great at that, but why should we stop there? Yeah. You should anticipate everything in your life. And the more people you can find to do that, the more power there is in that group and the farther your company will travel with or without you, by the way, mm. uh, which is which is really kind of cool because then you get you get the ability to to manage less and grow more. And um, it's just a really fun way to work, knowing that everyone's out there trying to make something happen for themselves. I think it's so important to have some time to be you know, reflective of what you want in life, you know, where you want to go, what you want to achieve. <laughs> and yeah, my big thing is, you know, we were never really taught any of that at school. Uh, and, you know, for, for a lot of people, they kind of see that the only path, I know we've gone back to the college thing, but is, you know, go to school, get qualifications, uh, you know, get a, some kind of, you know, letters after your name or certificates and then work for someone else. And that's it for the rest of your life. And you're like, I think it's great to go and work for someone else because you can gain experience um, but, you know, being taught even to go and start your own business or your own side hustle can be such a, a big learning experience. But, yeah, we're just not, you know, no, we're just not taught that kind of thing over here. Whether well, that. Yeah. And, and I think the interesting thing there is we have the same thing. So, OK, you got to go to high school. You got to get good grades. You got to get a good ACT score. Then you got to get a good scholarship and then you got to get a degree and then you got to get a job. And if you do all those things, then you can start living. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong. Okay. Let's pick what the living looks like first. And then let's find the myriad of different ways that you can go there. Again, only one of those paths being college. And 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 it, it, it it's so funny how we've reinvented the wheel at our own detriment. Because all the people that are pu pushing for a higher education are complaining about the plumber who just, and by the way, you know, that plumber's making $200,000 a year, okay? Um, but he's just a plumber or she's just a welder. Um, yeah, it's it's really odd to see the dichotomy in that. And um, that that's why, again, I, I wrote the book to get as many. What I really wanted to do was, was to let people know that no matter what, you are in control, um, especially if you work for yourself or if you work in a skilled trade, you're in control of your own input, your output, the quality of that output. You're in, in charge of, you know, the, the, your schedule. You're in charge of your day. You're in charge of, you know, yeah. the financial gains that you have. You don't get that when you're sitting in some cubicle or some office building on the 15th floor and you have no idea what part you play in this whole bigger wheel. Mm. So there's a lot to be learned. There's a lot of advantages to that. And all I'm saying is, you know, for the people who shouldn't go to college, let me tell you the best way to try to make your life work because yeah. it's it's worked for me and a lot of my friends. And I, I think it's a great path to follow. I think it's so important. I mean, again, we've got guys from all around the world that listen to the podcast, but I would say about 75% from, from the UK and then about 15% from the US and then dotted around. And, and that's why it's cool when sometimes I'll get a, an email or a message from a guy from somewhere maybe I've never even heard of in the world that will have listened to it maybe an hour's podcast, but they'll have taken one sentence or one golden nugget. And that will be the, the spark that maybe they, they think, Do you know what, I could start a business or I'm going to get in mm -hmm. insane shape or all these different things that um, I think could just motivate the guy to, you know, like learn what's important in life for him. Um, and I, there's, there's a guy who runs a podcast. Um, he's based out in Tampa actually at the moment, but, it was a podcast called um, uh, 
it's gone out of my head now, but it's basically about designing uh, our life by design. And I remember listening to that seven years ago and him basically, you know, saying, echoing what you said about, you know, even sitting down and saying, look, what do you want your life to be like? You know, the, the kind of ultimate goal and then work back from there. And I was still working in the city and I was working at a desk 200 hours a month, uh, not particularly enjoying it. And I was like, well, for one, I know it's not this, you know, that's, that's priority number one is know that, right. you know, what I've got isn't what I want. And it was, you know, I wanted more freedom and um, a bit more kind of um, impact in my life. But that's why we, with the podcast, I'm very much about guys taking some time to reflect on what they want out of life and listening to guys like yourself and anybody else in kind of a, a personal development sphere. But I wanted for you, other guys in the personal development, because I saw that, unless I'm mistaken, you've got a quote from Tony Robbins saying that what you did is great. So I just wondered how that came about. Well, I, I've, uh, I worked with, um, Tony Robbins has a book out called Life Force that he wrote with a couple of amazing doctors. And um, they, they really talk about the possibilities of keeping yourself healthy and, and um, injury-free you know, as long as you can. And I, I'm a golfer. So that's, that resonated with me. So I went to see some of his clinics in Naples, Florida. And, um, we, we started a program where, you know, they're, they're maintaining who I am better than I would on my own. So it's nice to have partners in health, almost like an athlete does. Yeah. And, um, so he was running that and I, I, I knew his doctor friends and I, I just communicated with and through him to uh, the doctors to him. And he was happy to do it because he understands exactly where I'm coming from. And when he looked at my stuff and, 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 and kind of delved deeper into it, he was like, you know, nobody's really talking about this stuff. You know, they, they all say that um, you should have vision for the future. You should do it. But then they always end it with, you know, I'm a PhD or I'm a psychologist or a clinical this or that, and, you know, and, and here's the thing about being an entrepreneur. Okay. Everyone says, well, okay, well, Ken, you're lucky you're that, you're that entrepreneur guy. Nonsense. Okay. There's about nine characteristics to be an entre being an entrepreneur, persistence, resilience, faith, initiative, all those kinds of things. Okay. Humility, charity, all that stuff. Yeah. Every one of us, has those emotions or those characteristics within us. I guarantee you, the only difference between me and somebody else is I saw what my future could look like and then all those characteristics came out and just pushed me down that path. And that's why I talk about Elon Musk and, and Stephen Jobs. You know, the power of your brain to attract itself to what it sees very clearly is ridiculous. It's yeah. awesome. And, and we don't use that because we live for Friday. We live for the next paycheck or the next bill that we have to pay. Yeah. And so when people look beyond that, they almost instantly become entrepreneurs because what they see is so attractive to them that all these little characteristics come out and just push them towards that goal. And that's what I think should be taught more in schools because, you know, you talked about so few people are willing to do that. This study, I just, I, I saw a study from, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, and, and they put 100 people in a room and they said, raise your hand if you have crystal clear goals. Only 20 people did. <laughs> so then they said, okay, of the 20, you 80 can go away. Of the 20 that's left, how many of you write those goals down? Only four. And then they said, okay, of the four that are left, how many of you have that on your wall somewhere where you see it every day? 
one. One. So wow. one out of a hundred people do something that is so easy. I can't believe we all aren't doing it. So yeah. it just makes it just makes it uh, it makes it fun to talk about. Actually, I think it's again going back to we. I was encouraged guys through the whole man academy to, and it's not always about you must set goals, but it's about at least take some time to think about what you want. But like you say, don't just do it and then uh, write it in a in a jotter and then put it in the cupboard because it's like okay, well done for taking the first step, but not looking at it, manifesting it, thinking about it uh, day after day can be part of the uh, part of the effect. But that comes about down to, you know, I, I went to um, the Tony Robbins event date with destiny in Miami, um, which was amazing. And like there, they get you to do self-reflective stuff on your relationship uh, as much as anything else. And I would say I wouldn't be with my partner now if I hadn't been on that day because I wasn't entirely sure if I was going to stay with her and the whole day that they did on it, I realized that I was being a dick, basically. Uh, and, you know, now kind of, you know, that's many years later. But I realized that obviously that's an expensive trip for most people is out of their reach to spend thousands to, to travel to these events. But, you know, there's still a lot of free resources online, be it Tony Robbins or even our little kind of resources we've got. But it's just encouraging guys, you know, if you've got 10 minutes on the train, even sitting down and saying, you know, how can you create a life that you're uh, also in charge of? Because I, I see now, especially in this last two years, a lot, it, it's like there's a real drive to close down small businesses. And all that does is then create people going to work at these much bigger chains. Um, but therefore, you are dependent on the state when they, uh, when they make you do things. So uh, it's, it's an interesting time for uh, people with small businesses that are getting them destroyed left, right and center. Yeah, you know, and, and again, you, you can't underestimate the power of doing something for yourself. I mean, you know, I had a lot of jobs. I, I worked at a bowling alley. I was a landscaper. I was a ditch digger. I was in a, I worked in a bakery. I, I delivered newspapers and I was really, I did a lot of things. Yeah. And um, I, I can remember working on these really beautiful houses, you know, on the other side of Cleveland and doing these huge landscape jobs with pine trees and boulders and waterfalls. And at the end of the day, I'd stand back and lean on my shovel and I would go, oh my gosh, that is absolutely beautiful. I call it the stand back moment. Okay. Right. And, and whether you're landscaping a house or you're building a, a um, something or you're fixing or repairing or you're creating or, you know, maybe doing some type of artwork, whatever it might be, or you're satisfying a group of people with a meal or whatever. There's that moment that you get working for yourself that where you say, I controlled this from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what's missing because, you know, the stigma of being a blue collar worker is ridiculous, especially when you see the kind of money that they're making, the control they have over their own lives and the things that they're able to accomplish for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nobody ever came up into my driveway, saw what I've accomplished and said, hey, where'd you go to school? Yeah, where's your, where's your certificates? Yeah, it, it's always been, how did you grind this life out? Okay, I'm happy to talk about that, right? Yeah. But I laugh because, I mean, I, their, their opinion is that's the only way that could have happened and nothing, nothing could be further from the truth there. It's a, it's a great story. And I think that the more guys I talk to who have gone on their own journey and sometimes it's not been without it's, you know, one step forward, two steps back. doesn't always, it's not always progressing a straight line. Um, but I wonder if you, apart from playing golf, what do you do for fun? What's your leisure time? 
Well, I do. I work out a lot. I play golf and I boat. I have a boat. So right. those are pretty much my three. And I love to travel. And that usually involves one of those other three things. So yeah, it's, 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 um, it, it's a lot of fun. I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of a health hobbyist. I'm one of those guys, as I told you earlier. Yeah. Um, I, I like to know what's going on, you know, hopefully before it goes on. So um, I do a lot of analysis that way. And it's just cool. I mean, it's it's a fun way to live. It's it's a fun to anticipate all the different things that uh, that you want to do to make your life, you know, a little bit better. Yeah, no, I like it. And <clears throat> often we'll ask. I mean, we send an e-letter out on a Tuesday and a Friday that goes out to hundreds of guys, okay, dotted around the world. And one of the weeks I actually put on there, you know, just a reminder for some guys, like to question what you do for fun. And one of the guys messaged back and said, "I I realized that I work so hard, and and I've kind of forgotten." the stuff I like to do, as you say, be it golfing or, or running or whatever it is to go and have fun. So it's always a reminder for a guy, you know, at the, at the end of the day, who knows when life's going to end, but on the last day of your life, you probably won't land your deathbed and say, oh, we should have worked more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that, that is so true. And I, I think life is like, life is like a bunch of buckets. And I think you need to fill each bucket e equally, you know, spiritually and relationship wise and work wise and you know, quiet time wise and fun wise and exercise. I think you have to fill all those buckets equally because to your point, if you're not careful, you're going to work so hard, work your ass off for so many years. And all of a sudden you're like, cool, I got all this money now. And then boom, you know, I have heart problems or I have my knees won't work anymore or whatever. I mean, you do have to enjoy this path along the way. I think that's what the great, that's the great part about life is we're all really kind of in control of that, whether we know it or not. But uh, filling those buckets equally is something I think that a lot of people need to step back and go, you know what, I do need to put a little more time into that bucket because I'm overflowing in the work and the stress bucket. Yeah, yeah. But I don't have a whole lot of fun in the spontane spontaneity bucket or the or the, the you know the the exercise bucket or the health, whatever it might be. I, I think people need to spend a lot more time kind of leveling that out. Yeah, I think especially. Um, we've had this kind of general discussion about um, you would say with social media as well sometimes the social media buckets full up because people are uh, on it so much and it's like okay well can you take something out of there and put it into the you know get out in the in the wilderness and get out in nature um, but uh, well and I know I've taken up uh, plenty of your time and I appreciate uh, it's, it's been a real fascinating discovery of talking to you and also just learning more about the work you do because that's what the podcast is about is finding kind of interesting guys from around the world and drilling down on what uh, what works for them well you know one of the things that that i did with the book blue collar cash is you know a lot of times a lot of times you have books and you read them and then you put them up on the shelf and they're kind of like trophies okay you yeah. know i read all these books look at me all right <laughs> but then you forget about what's in it and um so i built this course and um it's it's one it's it's one hour a week for eight weeks or you could do it in four straight days if you wanted to. It just depends on how fast you go through it. But what I wanted to make sure of is that I wanted to make absolutely certain that if you read something, specifically my book, that you put it into practice, you put it into your own life immediately, like the next day. Yeah. So, you know, I've seen these courses for $700, $1,000, dollars You've been to these places. Um, I sell this course for $99 and you get a free book with it. That's $25. So, yeah. and here's the thing. If you do that, I also donate a course and a free book to somebody else, oh, someone of someone of your choice or someone here that um, that could use the help. So I didn't do this to make money because my life was really good before I wrote this book. 
But I thought to myself, if I could find a way to get this information into their hands and then kind of make them do it, and then they could not only help themselves, but somebody else at the same time, I thought that would be a winning formula. So that's that's kind of that's kind of how we set it up. You, you made me remember the, the term shelf development, where people often just buy books and, and either read them or they don't read them. But they, like you say, it's kind of like entertainment. It's like, oh, wow, that was really good to learn of that. Anyway, I move on. And you're like, but what are you doing with it? You know what? Right. You know what? How? Tell me what you're going to implement. And often it's like, well, no, I'm going to I'm going to get another book on something else. And you're like, no. <laughs> so I I agree. It's uh, it's it's good to remind people that there's that saying, knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing. Which uh, well, and and there's also another saying that between knowing and doing is a mile of bad road if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've been guilty of it myself. Where I'll have you know I'll have bought a book and I'll have read a bit of it and then you know, then seen another book available and bought that one and realized that that's been on my shelf for like three years and I haven't actually read it. But if someone asks, you'd be like, oh yeah, I've got that book. And you're like, yeah. so <laughs> we've all done it. But uh, well, look, well, I'm going to let you go. I'm sure you've got stuff to do. But I always say, A, it's been a pleasure to talk, but B, hopefully uh, one day, you never know with the universe how our paths might cross uh, and uh, and it'd be great at some point to see you uh, maybe either in London or over the US in the flesh at some point. Oh, I'd, I'd love to do that. That would be super great. It's been fun being with you as well. And uh, and again, you know, if, if you and I can help people out, that's what we're here for. So uh, for all you guys out there, you got this and we got your back. So go make it happen. No, I appreciate it. Lovely. Right. Well, I appreciate all your time and I'll speak to you soon. Okay, take care. Thanks for listening. Remember to sign up to our game-changing weekly e-letter that's read by men around the world. Sign up at wholemanacademy.com forward slash movement. Until next time.